committing our way to the Lord. You know, commitment is an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, Over the years, I think I've seen almost every definition of commitment one might think of, both verbally and visually. say, well, how can you see it both verbally and visually? Well, verbally, I've heard people tell me what they believe commitment is. Visually, I often see something totally different of how that definition is actually worked out in one's mind. And so I've seen it both verbally and visually. The most interesting facet of commitment to me is, from what I've observed, is the focal point of one's commitment. Um, I've observed things like this. Maybe you have as well. Commitment to yearly fun and vacations, but not to bills and financial responsibilities. Uh, I had a friend one time who uh, said, Pastor Ken, and is a pastor friend of mine, he goes, I, th- I think I'm going to file bankruptcy. And I'm like, shame on you. And he goes, man, you're harsh. And I said, dude, you've been to Disney World every year for the last four years. Cool, I'm glad you went. Have all the fun in the world. But no one put a gun to your head and said, hey, put $9,000 on a credit card bill so you can't pay it off. And then expect it just to be gone. Shame on you. That's my opinion. Nobody put a gun to head and said, rack up the debt just so you can file bankruptcy. Not apart from other circumstances, I said, that's wrong. But I'm committed to having the fun, but not to the responsibility of paying the bills. I've seen commitment this way. Commitment to sports and other hobbies, but not to church. But I'm committed to God, they say. But they come to church when it's convenient. And so verbally, they say one thing. Visually, they're saying something else at times. Or how about commitment to TV shows, but not to fellowship around God's Word? Well, I can't come to Bible study because, well, truth be known, you really don't want to miss that show. I've had people tell me that, and I say, at least you're honest about it. I mean, no. Commitment to entertainment, but not to God's mission and outreach. And a host of other things that you and I are probably thinking about right now as we're talking about this subject. I have found it interesting over the years how people prioritize their commitments. To one person, it's all about this, but not so much about this. Um, I I found it interesting over the years how someone say, well, I'm really committed to this football team. And I'm thinking, is the football team more important than time with God or fellowship with his people or relationship with God through his word? Not verbally, but visually, yes. Because one is definitely winning over the other. How about committing our way to the Lord? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, I believe it lays out what every true believer of Christ ought to have as his commitment. Once again, visually might be seen differently than verbally. Because verbally, we would agree. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in some things, is that what it says? Oh, wait a minute. That in most things, wait a minute, that in, say it with me, all things, he may have the preeminence. In other words, he gets the focal point. He gets the priority. And so many of us, we have one definition of commitment, but how it's lived out visually is something completely different. 
See, there's probably not a one of us who walked into the doors of the church this morning that wouldn't agree with this verse. That wouldn't say, Pastor Ken, I agree with you that in all things Christ may be preeminent. That He is the head. That He does deserve first place in our life. We'd all agree with that. But how does that look day to day to day? Do we truly give Him all of our preeminence? Guess what all things mean in the Greek? All things, right? It doesn't just mean some things or most things. It means all things. That means our daily reactions and actions. How we respond to the circumstances of life. How we think. How we proceed on making decisions. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says what? That we may do all things for His glory. I wonder if that can truly be said of all of us. We are accustomed to giving God portions or certain parts of our life rather than all the parts of our life. And that's unfortunate because we miss the blessings of God when we do that. We think that somehow by, well, as long as I go to church once in a while, I'm okay. As long as I give a little bit, I'm okay. As long as I pray once in a while, I'm okay. I mean, after all, it's better than what some people do. And, well, it may not be as good as what other people do, but, you know, I'm, I'm not bad. I at least give some effort, and I I at least try a little bit. And we comfort ourselves in knowing that we at least give an effort, as if the effort is the end all. We're accustomed to giving God parts of our life, a little slice of the pie. I have to admit this week, last week I was a little discouraged. Someone made me a peach pie. I'm just telling you, this peach pie is so good that you can just eat the crust. And it's so good. You don't even have to have filling. It's that good. It's like butter melts in your mouth. Anybody hungry? There we go. It was so good. And we had visitors that week, and if you're watching, I'm sorry. But they had visitors at our house, and I went to get another slice. There was no more. I got one small slice. Mm, mm. I wanted more than one small slice. I think sometimes that's what God feels. So you give me a little bit of your time. Maybe give me a little bit of your treasure. Maybe give me a little bit of your talents. But I'd really like a little bit more. That's what pleases me. I've often wondered, is Jesus our master and savior or just somebody we know a little bit about as his children? If he's truly our master, then we are subject to him in every area of our life. In every area. Not just some areas. So in our text, in Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6, it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. In this text, uh, you'll notice two exhortations that, if followed, will have great benefits. Notice the two exhortations. Commit... And trust. Commit and trust. It's amazing how many times in Scripture that those two concepts go hand in hand with almost every other area of life. We are to be committed to God, but in the same time, we're also to trust Him. And I found in my own life, and maybe you can relate to that when I don't trust Him as I ought, I'm not committed as I ought to be. Because they go hand in hand. When I'm committed to God, I'm trusting Him no matter what because, God, I know you are able. I know you're powerful enough. I know you have all the answers. I know that you're going to give me wisdom. 
when I'm committed, I'm trusting him for every aspect of it. But when I find myself non-committal, it's usually because I'm non-trusting at the same time. Those two concepts go hand in hand in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But you'll notice the first exhortation here is to commit our way to the Lord. And there are three aspects to this word commit. And the first one means to literally roll on. In the Hebrew language, the word commit means to roll on. That really kind of buffaloed me for a little bit as I was studying that, studying this concept this week. The idea of rolling on. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in my finite pea brain mind that I got. You know, it's just, it's just like, how does this lay out? But when you begin to study it, there is something that really begins to come, come to life here. Um, it's almost like you're, you've got this object, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but a big air, air bounce house. Those things are monstrous, and they're heavy. They look like they're so fun, right? You get in there and you bounce all over the place, but when the activity's over and you unplug it and the air deflates, then you got this big pile of vinyl, plastic, rubberized blah. And you jump on it and you get all the air out, and you begin to fold it up, only to be hindered by the air. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been to an activity where there's going to be 10 people that was going to help clean up, but it ended up being just you and one other? Yeah, we know what you're talking about, right? So you're folding it up, and all of a sudden you get to the last little bit where you're overflapping, overflapping, then you begin to roll it, and all of a sudden it just becomes what? Heavy. And you begin to try to push that thing, and you find out it's heavier than you thought it was. But that's okay. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're strong enough to do it. So you just, ugh. And what you find out is that you can almost roll the air out of it, and you can kind of get it somewhat compact. But when it comes to putting it back in the trailer, guess what? You need some people to help roll it up in there. That's the concept here. When we commit, we are rolling all of our hardships, all of our life, all that we are, all that we have, all that we are doing, we are rolling it to God. And saying, you take this because I can't. In fact, we see a, a good example of this in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. So we're going to be jumping around just a little bit this morning. Uh, I, I do that often, but you'll, you'll catch on here. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. I thought about that, rolling away the reproach. I don't know about you, but if I've done something wrong in my life, what do we often feel till we deal with it? Guilt. We feel the weight of what we've done and how it has maybe hurt someone, right? So the reality is oftentimes there is this reproach, there is this guilt, there is this burden, so to speak, And God says, I am rolling away the reproach. I'm taking this weight off of you. It's the idea of rolling it off. But not only that, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, in the New Testament here, we see an example of this as well. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest comes once we are able to give it to him. As long as we're holding on to a part of it, it's hard. As long as we're trying to control the outcome, it's difficult. 
But once we are able to give it to him, then he says, I will give you rest. But we don't, we cannot do that until we are able to roll whatever it is that we're going through onto the Lord. In Psalm chapter 55, I love this whole psalm. We're going to look at it a little bit later here in detail. But in Psalm chapter 55 and verse 22, it says this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Once again, casting, rolling our burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. What's he saying here? He goes, I'm going to give you the ability to withstand whatever it is you're going through. But you have to give it to me first. As long as you're holding on to it, it's not going to work. And then one more in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but well, you'll, you'll catch up. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 25 says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, that you will eat what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What is he teaching us? Stop worrying. You can't fix it anyway. And the reality is, once you roll it on to Jesus Christ, he takes control. But in order for him to take control, what do we have to do? We have to give it up. Any control freaks in here? I know you ain't raising your hand, but I know some of you. I'm one of them at times. I want to control the outcome. And what God is teaching us here is that you cannot do it apart from me. You have to rely on me. So the first aspect of the word commit is to roll on. The second one is to rely on. To rely on. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 22. I want everyone to see this. Psalm chapter 22. I'm going to read the first 18 verses or so. And I want us to get the idea of what's taking place here. Remember when we started this out... In looking at uh, Psalm chapter 37 in the beginning of the chapter, uh, just, just for review, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And then he says, Trust in the Lord. So, yes, there's always going to be a host of people around us that are not doing what's right. In fact, we may look at them and say, Well, why are they so blessed? Well, is it necessary that they're blessed or that they just have a lot of money? I don't know. Sometimes we equate the two together. They may have money but not have God's blessing. The reality is we look around, we see people doing wrong, and they're living in sinfulness, and they're living in wickedness, and we say, wow, they, they just have it all together. That may be the furthest thing from the truth. So go back a chapter to 22 here, and he says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? So you got the psalmist here. He's saying, man, I feel like a million miles from God. Anybody ever felt that before? I have. I felt like, man, where is God when I want him? Where is God when I need him? I'm crying out. He says, I'm groaning, and yet I, I don't sense your presence. He says, oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. Is it really that God does not hear? Or is it maybe that there's other things at work here? Look at verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and you were delivered. They trusted in you, and you were not ashamed. He says, you help them, but you don't apparently want to help me. Verse 6. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach from men, a despised by the people. All those who seek me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, and 
They shoot out the lip and they shake the hand head saying, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him, let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while I'm in my mother's breast, while I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from my, from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, and they look at me and, and stare at me. They divided my garments among them, and my and for my clothing they cast lots. I mean, he's like going through it. It's almost like he's like what, depressed, maybe a little bit. He's seen everything else happen to, for everyone else, but he doesn't see God working in his own life. But here's what I want you to see. Look back at verse eight one more time. Actually, verse 7. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Those that were watching what he was going through were ridiculing him. But here's what they said. You're delighting in the Lord? Let him take care of it. Let him deal with it. Others were ridiculing his testimony. And they're saying, well, you trusted in the Lord. Let, let the Lord deal with you. Question. What did God's word tell us? I will never leave you nor forsake you. There are times that people around us are not going to understand what we're going through. But we have to know that God is at work. That God is working. And he says, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Even though he is going through it, the others could see that his delight was in who? The Lord. Even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of everything that's taken place, we need to learn to rely on God and know that our testimony of how we handle the circumstance is important. People are seeing it. And not only does it mean to rely on, but number three, it means to give to. In other words, it means to surrender everything. When I commit my way to the Lord, I am surrendering everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I'm doing. It is complete and total surrender. There are two aspects of our way. Number one, it includes our works. Our works. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit our works, and he will establish my thoughts. There are times that I've had discussions with different people, and even times in my own life, where it seems like my brain just does not want to shut off. Anybody ever experienced that? You got something going through your brain, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's something that you're facing, a difficult situation, a circumstance that you would not choose, and your brain just doesn't want to shut off. Anybody ever had that? Thank you. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your works unto the Lord, and he'll establish your thoughts. When I'm first committed to God and what he's doing in my life, then my thoughts will follow suit, according to God's word. 
In fact, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says this, Thou will give him perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. You want to have peace? You want your mind to be at ease and at peace with all that's going on? Keep your trust in God. Keep your mind on him. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Remember those two words again? Commitment and trust go hand in hand. When I'm fully committed and I'm trusting in him, God is going to work. But apart from one or the other, there's going to be chaos. So it's an idea of committing our works. In Psalm 22, verse 8, delighting in the Lord. And then in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting all our cares upon him, for he what? Cares for us. So, our cares. First question that I came to my own mind is this. What do I care about? What do I care about? And the second question is this. What is of significant concern to me in my life? God's word reminds me that cast all my cares. So the question is, what do I care about? What is of significant concern in my life? Think about that just for a moment. I'm not going to move on just for a moment. I just want you to think in your mind, what is of utmost importance to you? I think for a lot of us, the biggest thing that we care about so often is what? Our family. Anybody else have those thoughts? Those cares? I do. I got now a 25-year-old, a 20-year-old, and an 18-year-old, and a couple of exchange students that I love. So we have all these kids in our, in our home and, and you know, our family, and some of you, your kids are all long gone, and some of you have little ones yet. But is that not what one of the things that consumes most of our thoughts during a given day? What's so-and-so doing? Is he doing what's right? Is he obeying? Is she... Got right thoughts, right actions, right motives. Don't we think and care about our kids a lot during a given day? I do. And my wife, uh, she, we were laying in bed the other night. She goes, "Why do you?" She goes, "You think about so and so quite a bit, don't you?" And I said, "I can't stop. All of our kids are different, right? They're all different. One of them's rambunctious. One of them's calm and cool and collective. The other one's in the middle and." They all have different personalities and characteristics, but don't you find yourself thinking about them and caring for them and their well-being constantly? I wonder, have we given them to the Lord? Because sometimes I find in my own life that's the only way to stop the marble from rolling around, the pinball machine from ricocheting in my brain, is to say, God, you've got them. But then in the back of your mind, did I teach them enough? Did I demonstrate enough? Did I do this enough? Did I do that enough? And it starts all over again. And I find myself constantly caring for my family. But then we have the other things, too, the other everyday life issues. So-and-so just called me, and they're going through this. And so-and-so just sent me an email, and they're going through that. And what is it that we care about? What is of utmost concern, significant concern in our lives? And ask yourself, have you cast that upon the Lord? Have you cast it on the Lord? I'm not just saying, oh, Lord, you got this, flippantly. I'm saying, Lord, it's yours. You remember a couple weeks ago I told you about when we were down in the basement and it was reeking downstairs. 
I wanted desperately to say, hey, we're just going to call so-and-so, and they're going to do such-and-such, and the smell's going to be gone away, and everything's going to be done. That's what I wanted to do. And I just went, Lord, if you want it to stink, so be it. It's yours. If you want it fixed, you fix it. It's yours. That's casting it all on him as if it really does matter because it does. See, either you're in control of it or God's in control of it. What's the truth in your circumstance? Secondly, Psalm 37.5 exhorts us to trust in the Lord. Over and over, he, he, this is such a, a, a resounding principle throughout the Psalms. Verse 3, as we looked at last week, trust in the Lord and do good. But verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him. This has the idea of putting our confidence in God. Are you confident in God and what He's able to do? God knows that answer. You and Him know the answer, whether or not you're truly confident in Him. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it out, right? They're two different things. We get that, right? One side of the coin is like, trust God. The other one's like, yeah, he's going to do it. Right. Do you really have confidence in him? I'm going to give you two Spurgeon quotes on this subject that I came across this week. It says, give it over into God's hands and then confide in him as completely as a little child confides in its mother. Give it up to him and to rule it and to guide thee and lead thee in every step. Put the helm of your ship into the hand of the Almighty Pilot. Leave the guidance of your pilgrimage to him who has led many caravans across the desert aforetime, and who has never suffered any to perish. What an easy way this is, and yet how hard do we find it to carry it out? It is to unload ourselves and put our burden on our God. Oh, that we had sanctified common sense to make us fulfill this duty. Wasn't that awesome quote from Spurgeon? Here, He said this as well in another sermon on Psalm 37. He says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Roll the whole burden of life upon the Lord. Oh, he just says it. Roll the whole burden on it. Don't just give him part of it. Give him it all. Roll the whole burden on him. He says, Leave with Jehovah not thy present fretfulness merely, but all the cares. In fact, submit the whole tenor of the way of the way to him. Cast away anxiety, resign thy will, submit thy judgment, leave all with the God of all. What a medicine is this for expelling envy? What a high attainment does this fourth precept indicate? How blessed must be he who lives every day in obedience to it. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Our destiny shall be joyfully accomplished if we confidently entrust all to our Lord. We may sincerely sing, and he gives us four stanzas. Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be. O lead by thine own right hand, choose out the path for me. Smooth let it be or rough, it will be still the best. Winding or straight, it matters not, it leads me to thy rest. I dare not choose my lot, I would not if I might. But choose thou for me, O my God, so I shall walk aright. Take thou my cup, it with joy or sorrow fill, as ever best to thee may seem, Choose thou my good or ill. That's surrendering all to God. We want to pray, God, I want your blessing. Oh, God, keep me safe. Oh, God, take care of fill in the blank. We want all that good that God has to offer. But are we willing to accept the things that we wouldn't choose? 
Are we willing to accept the things that He allows so that He can mold us and make us into an image more like His Son, Jesus Christ? I'm not saying it's wrong. Every time I get in my car, I say, Lord, protect us. Get on a plane. God, protect us. We go anywhere. God, protect us. We sit down to eat. God, bless this food. Thank you for it. We want all the blessings that God could give us. But are we willing to say thank you for the trials as well? I love what he says. Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be. O lead me by thine own right hand. Choose out the path for me. Am I willing to say, God, you have my life. God, I'm willing to take whatever direction you send me. Because I'm under your wing. Smooth let it be or rough, it will still be the best. (laughs) Can we truly say that? I don't want something difficult. I don't want the hard stuff. Anyone else? I like ease. I like comfort. I like what I like. Winding or straight, it matters not. It leads me to thy rest. I dare not choose my lot. I would not if I might. Choose thou for me, O oh my God, so I shall I walk aright. He's saying, I'm letting you choose for me. That's hard. How many of us have ever had a kid, a child, who wants his own way? I mean, you, not, 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 not your kids, I know. You're wanting them to choose this, but they want this. Why are you adamant about getting your way because you know what's best for them right right i'm I'm just telling you there's some of that gerber baby food that is absolutely disgusting i'm just being honest you know it and i know it and if you're a mother and or dad has ever fed your baby you've, you've you've nipped at it it's disgusting some of them are right but why do you feed it to them because they need it right you know what's best for your kids most of the time. God knows what's best for His children all the time. It may not be what we would choose, but it's definitely what He knows is best for us. So He says, Take thou my cup, and with it joy or sorrow fill. He says, God, you choose my path. You give me joy, give me sorrow. It's up to you. Take thou my cup, and with it joy or sorrow fill, as ever best to thee may seem, choose thou my good or ill. That is total surrender. And Spurgeon goes on to say, The plowman sow, sows and harrows and then leaves the harvest to God. What can he do else? He cannot over the heavens with clouds or command the rain or bring forth the sun or create the dew. He does well to leave the whole matter with God. And so to all of us, it is truest wisdom, having obediently trusted in God, to leave results in his hands and expect a blessed issue. Isn't that awesome? In our text here, and we're almost come to a closing here. In Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. So He tells us, not only are we to have confidence in Him, but when we come to the place in our relationship with God that we have truly committed our way and have fully trusted in the Lord, we'll see God do three things. Number one, God says, I'll bring it to pass. You know what that does for you and I? It takes the pressure off of us. 
and we surrender it to God. Because it's not about me and what I want to do. It's about what He is willing to do. I don't have to make it work out right. When I surrender, when I commit, when I trust, He says, I will bring it to pass. Why is it that we want to do what only God can do? It's our flesh. It gets in the way, right? We have to be willing to say, God, you have control. And he says, when we get to the place where our way is truly committed and we fully trusted, he says, I will bring it to pass. Number two, God will bring, bring forth righteousness. See my typo there. But God will bring forth righteousness. What does he say here? He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. Just as the light shines out amidst darkness, he says, so will I will elevate your righteousness. I don't want people to see the negative in me, right? Isn't that true of all of us? We don't want people to see the bad. That's why we try so hard to hide it. We try so hard to, to put on the air that everything is just good. We come to church every week and say, hey, how's it going? Great. Get the fist bump or the elbow bump now. The, 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 high, the air high five. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. Everything's right. Not really. But God says, when you commit your way to me and trust in me, I'll bring forth the righteousness as light. I'll elevate the righteousness of man, not the difficulty, not the struggle, not the trial. And then number three, God says, I will bring forth justice like the noonday. And he shall bring it to pass. Verse six, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Remember the, the whole premise of this? Go back to verses one and two. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. We looked at Psalm chapter 22, and he says, there's all these people that are ridiculing me, and they're, they're pushing at me, and they're making fun of me. And He says, if that's your focus, then yeah, you're experiencing a rough day. But if you're fully committed and trusting in me, I will bring justice. I'll take care of them. I'll take care of those circumstances. Your responsibility is to just commit commit your way to me. Trust in me. That's your job. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? I mean, how hard is it just to commit and trust? <laughs> Some days it's really hard because I want to control it. And he's saying, no, you trust me, I'll bring it to pass. You trust me. And I'll bring forth your righteousness. You trust me, and I will bring forth justice like the noonday. Just as the noonday is going to come, just as the light's going to shine, I will take care of it. So the question that comes to my mind is, over and over, is the whole idea of committing and trusting. Have I truly committed my way to the Lord? Am I truly trusting in him? Because the benefits of doing that are awesome. But that means surrendering everything. It means to be fully committed, not just in part, but in whole. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder. I need that exhortation. Because there's so much of life I would not choose, but I get to respond to it. 
I don't have to respond to it. I get to respond to it. And it's a reminder that I need to daily commit to trust. Maybe it is for you too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to daily commit our way to you. Lord, I know there are many things that come up, many things that distract, many things that get in the way of us doing what we need to do, Lord. I pray, God, that we would be faithful to what your word tells us to do, that we might see your hand at work. That you will bring it to pass, that you will bring light to our righteousness, and you will bring justice as the noonday. Lord, help us to do these things, Lord, in our daily living. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed just for a moment, every week as we look at God's word, we have an opportunity to respond to it. Maybe this morning God's challenged your heart. Maybe these are things that you need to work on in your own life, committing your way to the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, maybe I've committed certain things, but I haven't committed everything. You say, Pastor, that's me. There's some things that are easier to give to God than others. And because of that, I haven't given them everything. But God's challenged my heart. I need to do that this morning. Pray for me. Anyone like that this morning? Yes, in the back, in the side. Yep, in the side. Have you committed everything to God? This is casting all your care. What is it that you care about? What is of significant concern to you? Have you given it to God? Say, Pastor, there's some things I've been holding back trying to take care of and deal with my own my own strength, my own ability, my own will. You guys convicted me this morning. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, in the back and the side. Can I just challenge all of us who are sitting here this morning to simply, once again, afresh and anew, say, God, I surrender all. Not some, not most, but all. I commit everything to you, Lord. I commit my entire way to you and I am willing to trust in you and you alone. Lord God, you know our hearts. You know the very things that distract, the very things that we put our focus on, Lord, that aren't right, how we try to control the circumstances. Lord, I pray that from this passage, Lord, we would be reminded to commit our way to you, Lord, that we would trust in you, and that you will do the work that only you can do. So be with each one who raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning, God, that we would see your hand at work, your presence very real and felt in our lives, Lord. And that, Lord, whatever it is that we're struggling with, Lord, that you will work through it. Increase our confidence. Increase our boldness in you, Lord. Lord, help us to trust you in everything. And we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.